is According to Callus. This is episode 173, and I'm going to give this a Tuesday morning first thing release. Mostly so it doesn't get confused with episode 172 that went out within the last hour. Reason being is I'm going to share some of my thoughts on the race in HD 61. Now, I've kind of beat around the bush. I've kind of hinted. Um, I haven't endorsed anybody. I can't completely rule it out. But for right now, I'm just going to lay out what I believe are the relative strengths and weaknesses of all three candidates. Now, I can't swear to any of these people are personal friends of mine. I would call two of the three acquaintances. I've, you know, I campaigned against one guy. I um, have been in a couple of meetings and had a couple of long conversations with another one. And I've hosted the third guy at a couple of forums and had, I guess, a couple of conversations that were, you know, separate from that. So I feel like I'm a pretty good uh, judge of where they're coming from. And I, I will be as discreet and even-handed and fair as I can be. So, as we go forward, we're going to have FF. I'm sure you can figure out who that is. PC and JH. It's not that it's difficult. Just don't want to repeat a bunch of names. Okay. So for the purpose of this, uh, we're going to do it. And I guess for the relative strengths, we'll do it in alphabetical order with the first name and relative weaknesses. We'll do it in alphabetical order by the last name. So that kind of change it up a little bit. All right. So, Mr. Frazier, relative strengths. Oh, I said I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> FF, relative strengths. Here we go. Uh, without a doubt, the guy is well known in Austin. He has plenty of connections down there on people that he's uh, dealt with and perhaps testified with, met with uh, for a number of years uh, at, with his day job. Um, another relative strength, uh, he has a good working relationship, both with the city government that he just left, as well as several other local, um, municipal governments through their police departments. Another relative strength, the guy works. So, I mean, if you're looking for a guy that's going to give you, you know, the inside track on getting the next deal that you think we're going to get. If you're looking for a guy that um, has connections at both the local level and the state level, this is your guy. That's his relative strength. J.H., uh, relative strength. I would classify him as a bit of an iconoclast. He's not afraid to call a spade a spade. And yes, I know there's whatever. Don't overthink this, guys. He's not afraid to stand on his own two feet. He's not afraid to push back. He's not afraid to uh, 
haul the line, hold the line, right? That That's his relative strength. And he was willing to get into a race against a long-term incumbent, which at the very least would have been a major uphill battle. And I think at least a certain part of credit needs to be given to him on that campaign that maybe influenced the long-term representative from stepping down. So that would be his relative strength. He's going to, he's going to come to the battle and he's going to hold his ground and he's not afraid to do it against all odds. Next guy, PC relative strengths. I will tell you the guy is highly educated. Probably one of those guys that would be classified as the smartest guy in the room. Now, I know some people see this as not a positive, but for me, I see it as a positive so far as you channel it the proper way. And I won't comment on that one way or another. I just like a guy that's smart, can think on his feet. And that PC brings that. PC is also good at campaigning, good at raising money, good at making friends all over the place. Of course, when you make friends, you also make enemies. So that goes both ways. But we're just talking relative strength. So I, I'm, I'm, let's stay focused. The other thing is he's a very articulate speaker and can bring across a message that is meaningful. Again, relative strength. So now let's flip it to the other side. Now we're going to talk about relative weaknesses. Okay. We're going to start with PC. All right. PC, I think, has a flawed understanding of the Republican form of government and federalism. If you listen to the debate, when asked directly and even given an opportunity to perhaps alter his answer to where left wiggle room, PC advocates the idea and this is a weakness. This is not a personal thing. This is not a, you know, a vendetta or nothing like that. This is a weakness. And I'll explain why in just a moment. He expressed the opinion or his point of view or his understanding, however you want to look at it, that federal law, all federal law trumps state law. Now, that's not the way I understand or read the Constitution. That's not the way that several other equally educated individuals read and understand the constitution. Indeed, I would be willing to state that the vast majority of the founding fathers wouldn't have read or thought that that's what the constitution meant. Now the defense would probably be, well, you know, the courts have interpreted, but whatever, when you have that way of thinking, this is where it's this is where it's a weakness. When you have that way of thinking, you are already ceding everything the state might do to federal power, to federal authority, which becomes a problem because if you don't feel that the state has that authority and power, even though the Ninth and Tenth Amendment reserve those to the states and the people respectively, and don't enumerate all those powers or authorities given 
when you rest your argument on a single clause, on a single phrase within that clause, it means that you're not willing to look for ways to fight for your state, in my opinion. And to me, that's a flaw. Now, is it a deal breaker? Well, that's for you to decide. So that that's the relative flaw. Now for FF, relative weakness, flaw, whatever you want to call it, relative weakness. Now, I'm going to stand on my idea that the connections he has are a net positive. Now, you may choose to disagree with me, and that's fine. But something else that came out in the debate and you should listen to it. In the HD 61 debate, he made two statements that I didn't necessarily give him an opportunity to correct. The first one, because I thought he was being directly honest, and I, and I won't hold that against him, but it's, it's the nature of it. And the second one was basically in concert with what PC had previously said or said soon after, and he didn't take the opportunity to, to tweak his commentary either. So I want to be very careful. I don't believe I'm taking these out of context. And again, listen to the bait. If you doubt me, listen to the bait. He felt like we didn't have a choice with who the, and, and by we, I mean, the people in HD 61, we sent a representative down there. We didn't really have a choice or a say in who the next Speaker of the House is, nor did we have any control over the Speaker of the House appointing Democrats to be um, committee leaders or committee chairman. And while I can appreciate the fact that he was probably speaking the truth of the matter, that there's very little he as an individual can do about it, that's a flaw because... That means he's already seeded that fight, in my opinion. Now, he may be looking at it, and again, now I'm going to be thinking for him, but I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm trying to see both sides of this. So, again, I'm seeing this as a relative weakness, and I'll get to the second one in just a moment. If you're not going to even put up at least a nominal fight for something, that leads me to believe that maybe you're not going to show up and put up a fight for things that matter. And in addition to that, the sole thing that he referenced is him standing up against the crowd or pushing back against the narrative or the majority was the statue for Throckmorton that is in downtown McKinney. And while I appreciate the fact that he did go on record as opposing that, all he did was get it tabled to where they can conveniently vote about it after the primary is over which presumably he thinks he'll win, or at least then it'll be a moot point and it can't hurt him with the same mayor that supports him. Now, again, this is a weakness. It's not necessarily a deal breaker. The second thing was he stated he didn't think the governor had the authority to issue orders to the National Guard, which was in concert with protecting the border or defending the border. Now, again, um, that's not the way I understand or read the Constitution. And I would say that my understanding of it's 
probably at close par the FF. And in the event that it's not, there are several other people, again, the same people that refuted PC's claim, that would agree with me as well that the state guard or the national guard, their commander in chief is the governor of their state. And it is only when they are federalized, do they have to answer to anything at the federal level. Likewise, article four, section four indicates that we have to protect the Republican form of government. And it goes further to say in times of invasion, the States in the event that the federal government doesn't do anything about can step in to push back against that. So those are two specific reasons why I think the case can be made that the governor could and should activate the national guard to protect the border or the state guard or the internet or, or the, um, I'm sorry, the air national guard, all three answer to the governor. First and foremost, he is their commander in chief. Now that does play into the fact that our governor doesn't really feel like doing his job unless he's forced to do it. But be that as it may, if you're not going to have a state rep at least defend that or push for that, to me, that's a relative weakness, similar to the one that PC expressed, but different in the sense that not recognizing the authority of the state at this level. Now, the flip side, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here just for a moment, we don't want the governor to take a bunch of power even necessarily if it's appropriate power, unless there's a justifiable reason. So I can understand his reticence or his reluctance to say, yeah, the governor could do that or the governor should do that because the governor clearly abused his power in the last year and a half. Again, giving him absolute benefit of the doubt, but I don't believe that to be the case. And I would prefer somebody else bring that up in the forum that's coming up or one of the other debates that's coming up. You should ask both of these guys to clarify their statement. Challenge them on it. This is extremely important. All right. So relative uh, negative or a relative weakness, if you will, of JH. And it kind of pains me to say this because if there was anybody that I would throw in league to stir up trouble with, it would probably be JH. And in fact, and we've worked on things in the past, um, to hold people's feet to the fire, our elected officials. But honestly, he crossed a couple lines I wasn't willing to cross. And in effect, he negated any relationship he would have had with the rest of our delegation. Now, again, somebody else might see that as a good thing. I'm saying that's a net negative, in my opinion, because it's according to Callus, and it is what I think. If you can't get along with or work with the rest of our delegation, how are you going to be effective in getting things done? That's a fair question. Now, you can go the route of Jonathan Stickland and to a lesser extent, Matt Rinaldi, and you can take that back, Mike, and you can shoot things down and you can challenge things all the time. But the reality is, is both of those guys are no longer state reps. And I would argue they were two of the strongest defenders of liberty we had, but it became apparent that they were never going to really be able to do anything effectively and get it done. Because the entirety of the state delegation didn't want to work with them and had no use for them. So while I appreciate the idea of not going along to get along, and I think that's very important. But the flip side is, is you cannot basically throw acid in the face of your co-belligerents. You can't 
destroy any kind of working relationship that you might have before you actually get there. So again, that's a relative weakness. And I know all of these relative weaknesses and strengths are somewhat debatable, but this is according to Callus, and this is what I think. So net effect, they each have a couple of relative strengths that can lead to a good argument why they might be the best candidate. They all have relative weaknesses that equally lend themselves to why they're not the best candidate. Now, for me personally, the the two arguments where the state doesn't have the authority or don't or, or doesn't have the power to stand up to the feds, that's that's basically borderline deal breaker for me personally. Now it may not be for you. There may be plenty of other redeeming things there that cause you to overlook that. But for me, if my state rep doesn't understand the idea of separation of power, he doesn't understand the authority of the state government, that's a big problem. And I'm I'm overlooking a lot of other different things that I'm aware of or that I know about. On each of these candidates, they could be problematic. I'm just sticking on the things that strike me as being worthy of attention, worthy of being brought to the front so that you can make an intelligent decision, that you can feel like you're fully informed. I want for you to be able to do that. One second. So I apologize. The The question is, what do you find most important? What is it that is your priority? You need to make the decision. And there's plenty of other things that could be debated and should be debated that may be of concern or not concern to you. I don't know what you think. I don't know what your priorities are. If you were to line up all three of these guys against the Republican Party platform, there's 300 some planks. Even if you were to do it just against the legislative priorities, which were eight and then later nine, I think you're not going to find many things different between the three of them. I think it's going to make it hard. You've got to go maybe to second tier issues or at least issues that aren't given the highest priority, right? Everybody's pro-gun. Everybody's pro-life. Everybody's pro this or anti that. They're all in the same place. It's just like every election, every official that runs is a good Christian conservative. I'm not going to doubt or question somebody's faith. That's not my role. I do have a right to consider whether or not the way they voted or represented themselves conflicts with the Constitution. Now, conservatives, sadly, often, often is not fair, will at times disregard constitutional restraints to get what they want or not take advantage of constitutional provisions to ensure that they can get what's best. That's to our own detriment. But if you're going to violate or ignore or feign ignorance about what the Constitution says and means, that's a big problem for me personally. So while I'm not willing to endorse any of these three guys, I I just, I don't see the wisdom in it. I expect it'll go to a runoff. And if it does... Maybe I'll feel obligated to give an endorsement there. Um, At this point, (laughs) I guess some people actually care what I think. I guess 
<laughs> I guess there's some other people out there that really would like to know what my opinions are. That's why I've tried to lay this out. And I'm trying to be as fair as possible. I'm trying not to slam the door in anybody's face. Um, chances are that the guy that wins isn't going to be my first choice. The guy that wins may not even be my second choice. And that's okay. We actually have an election for a reason. But again, if only 4% of the city of McKinney show up to vote, that's not really much of an election. If only 17% of eligible voters in the entire House district show up, that's still not much of an election. This is the Republican Party primary. This is supposed to be the vetting process. Whoever wins this primary, whether it goes to a runoff or not, is likely to represent HD61 for the next 8 to 10 years. It is extremely important that we make a smart and educated guess. Now, that being said, if we make a horrible blunder and we elect somebody that turns out to be terrible, take your choice, which you think just, I'm not pointing fingers, but if we elect somebody that basically lied to us all in, you know, a year and a half, we'll have an opportunity to try and replace that person. But I can assure you it'll be even more difficult than it is now. That person will be an incumbent. That person will have a track record. That person will have lots of friends down in Austin that will come and support them. We have to make the best decision now. You have to do your research. You have to decide which one best that you believe will best represent you, will best represent HD61. I can't tell you who that is. I'm a little conflicted at the moment. I have a gut feeling. And in fairness, because it matters, some people have actually asked me, I'm not going to endorse. But I will say, that if somebody put a gun to my head and make a choice, I would say my recommendation would be Jim Herblin. Take it for what you want. It's I, I'm not willing to endorse any of them. I'm not willing to get involved in it. But based upon what I know, what I've seen, I would much rather take the chance on a guy that gets run out of Austin in two to four years than the other two guys. But I'm not going to endorse. And I'm not going to tell you that you should do that. What I am going to tell you is you need to decide what's the most important thing, what's the top three priorities that you have, and which one of these guys is going to best represent you, which is the guy that you believe is going to best represent 61. I'm going to stay as absolutely neutral as I can until the primary is over. I'm going to do my best to put forth their arguments and their thought process for what I understand. I would love to have another debate between whoever the eventual winner is and their Democrat opponent. I would also be willing to throw together a debate for a runoff. I think that would be extremely important opportunity for those two guys to distinguish what the difference is between themselves. Because that's really what this election is going to boil down to, is what makes them different from the other. What do they bring that the other doesn't bring? Or what do they not have that the other has? So, in light of that, in my non-endorsement, I've given you my thoughts to the best of my ability. I've told you that I want to make sure that I leave the door open so that I can have another opportunity to help these guys articulate their vision, their values, 
in the event that there's a runoff. And again, once the primary is over, I am more than willing to put forth a debate for both the Democrat representative and the Republican representative. And hopefully there's a libertarian representative because we need one, somebody to go there and hold that argument and hold those people's feet to their fire. I would be happy to host that debate. I will make it happen. Let's get through this primary and let's get on with the general election. Because at the end, when the primary is over, anybody that's got an R after their name is supposed to be on the same team. We're supposed to be working down the same direction. And honestly, that weighs heavily on me. I mean, I could get in this race. I could partake in some nastiness that I know is going on in the background. And I don't think that, one, it would help me. I don't, I don't think it would show me in a good light. I don't think it would really impress anybody. Two, I don't think I'd be doing that candidate any favors long term, winner or loser. These guys got to stand on their own. They got to make their own arguments and they got to show that they are who they say they are. It's easy to come and show up in front of a group of people that are largely on your team and make your message known. What'll be more interesting is when they go in front of a audience that's got a bunch of Democrats in it or has got libertarians in it even. Ooh. Or better yet, when they go down to Austin and they're supposed to be working for us and they have to deal with the people that run that place. That's why this weighs heavily on me. That's why I felt the need to put this out there. I'm not persuaded that I should endorse at this time. There are plenty of other good organizations that have endorsed. If those matter to you, you should pay attention to what they say. There's plenty of other individuals that have put their name and the weight of their reputation behind their candidate of choice. If that matters to you, you should follow that. I will tell you, I think each one of these men brings something that we would be represented ably. Would we be excited about it? I don't know. Am I willing to state my reputation on any of these three guys? At this point, no, I'm just not. And I don't mean that as disparaging. I mean, I was a candidate. I understand. You're asking people to put their neck on the line on your behalf. And quite frankly, there's not a lot of people that are willing to do that. And when there's somebody that is willing to do that, that is a big deal. And if the people that you find to be your North Star to borrow somebody else's key phrase, if they endorse somebody, then you ought to pay attention to what they say. If that organization that you think is important endorses somebody, that's what you should pay attention to. I've got my own baggage too. And I don't know that I want to get involved in that. So for that reasons and all, I'm going to cut this done, cut this off. I'm done. I have nothing more to say on this issue at this time. I encourage you take the time, do your own investigation, do your own research, be your own educated voter. It does us no good to run a hundred thousand people, the polls, if they're just going to do what their neighbor told them to do. Now, maybe that neighbor's on our team and you're not going to complain, but I'm telling you that does not do our Republic any good long-term. Last comment, only loosely related to this. I've always told my children, it is less important to me personally that you agree with me, even though I think I'm right, 
But more important that you know what you believe, why you believe it, and that you're willing to back it up. And I say the same to you. If you're a potential voter, know why you're voting for that person. And it needs to be something more than some superficial answer. It needs to be real. And with that, this was episode 173. This was my thoughts on HD61's race. This is still According to Callus, and I will see you on the other side.